Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a sensual edition of Nick's Nonfiction here with your host, Nick Muniz. Today on the show, we have got Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. Yeah, usually around this time of year, we do the battle of the sexes, but this time we're talking about the most important philosophy, love. We're back in 4K. I got my equipment back from the DEA, baby. Uh, we'll do the bonus segment as well. This is just going to be a lighter episode. My wife said to me, if you won the lottery, would you still love me? I said, of course, babe, I would. I'd miss you, but I'd love you. I've been thinking a lot about apple trees. How come we don't plant apple trees on every street corner in the Big Apple? You know, how come suburbs don't have citrus fruit trees lining the street? Has nobody thought about this since Johnny Appleseed? Why don't we just start now so that in 40 years, world hunger is a thing of the past? And I'm just sitting here asking questions about Johnny Appleseed. What the fuck are we doing? World hunger and half of us are obese over here? So today's episode is more than a hippie love fest. I'm going to ask some uncomfortable questions like, Why do we plant genetically castrated seeds instead of apples for future generations? Making love is a lot like playing the violin. I don't know how to do it. Get it? That's a violin right there. I saw this article on CNN recently. Scientists have found the chemical compound responsible for love. Oh, okay, have you guys? So why don't we start making those antidepressants out of love pills? Guys, they isolated love in the laboratory. <laughs> love isn't a chemical. It's beyond human dictation. It's a force. It's the most powerful arbiter in existence. We isolated love, guys. Go back to work. It's going to be a good show today. We're talking about love, baby. We're going to get angry. We're talking boomer versus zoomer. Got a good show planned. My girlfriend was devastated when she found out the reason my nickname was The Love Machine. I'm not very good at tennis. <laughs> about the author... Be right back after a meme, actually. About the author, Marianne Williamson. Born 1952 in Houston, Texas, Marianne Williamson is the author of uh, Speaker, Humanitarian, Presidential Candidate. She got launched by Oprah in 1992, and this is her most popular book. She's actually running in the 2024 primaries, Miss Marianne Williamson. And she's running on the platform of creating a department of peace. And you guys know I place zero faith in the government. What, by 2030, the department of peace will be in charge of war? That's not even a joke, bro. The department of defense controls the global offensive. Department of defense. But we're going to spend some time over in Afghanistan doing some defense. <laughs> This isn't a political book, but we're just going to point out some uh, some causticity, some intergenerational inconsistencies, if you will. Spicy topics. I'm currently in a love triangle. I like this girl, this girl likes nobody, and nobody likes me. <laughs> Be right back, my niggas. Chapter 1. Marion Williamson, A Return to Love. Hell. Hell. If we're going to talk about love, it's kind of helpful to describe the opposite. Hell. And is earth closer to heaven? Love? 
or hell. Let me throw in a dip. Quote, oh my God, it's juicy. Oh my God. Got my guitar. Maybe we hit that in the bonus section. There is no place for hell in a world whose loveliness can yet be so intense and so inclusive it is but a step from there to heaven. The journey into darkness has been long and cruel, and you have gone deep into it. Yeah, I've gone deep into the darkness, baby. I went balls deep into the darkness. <laughs> I want to start this episode saying thank you to everybody for showing up. I mean, not just to Nick's nonfiction, but to life. We're playing on hard mode out here. Boomer Marianne, she starts talking about the generational divide. The problem with my generation isn't that we never grew up. The problem isn't that we're apathetic, narcissistic materialists. The problem is that we're terrified. Calling out the boomers. You know, the boomers, they might have squashed the free love movement. They got some mortgages out of it. Which half were foreclosed on? Good thing we don't have that love movement anymore. We got white picket fences around us. <laughs> I'm not a communist. It's just the fact she's saying is everybody tried to play it safe. So people are living terrified of the unknown rather than trusting their neighbor. A lot of us know we have what it takes, the looks, the education, the talent, the credentials, but in certain areas, we're paralyzed. We're not being stopped by something outside of us, but by something inside. Our oppression is internal. The government isn't holding us back. Marianne! Where was I? Government isn't holding us back. And I quote, says Marianne. I still don't know where she said it. <laughs> Give me a minute here, niggas. We're in no time rush today. I could try to fill the hour. Government isn't holding us back, nor hunger, nor poverty. We're not afraid we'll get sent to Siberia. We're just afraid, period. Yeah, this was written like 10 years ago. I'm kind of getting afraid of getting sent to a re-education camp because nobody thinks like I do, apparently. But the kids in the 60s, they knew what was up, bro. They got shot at Kent State for protesting Vietnam. What did the boomers ever do? <laughs> well, I invested in a risky stock once. Yeah, She's saying the boomer is just afraid. And again, she said they're equally intelligent but they unanimously chose to play it safe. Just pass the buck to the next generation. Yeah, we're under the thumb of Wall Street. Let the next guy deal with it. We were afraid of dying young, and we are afraid of growing old. We're more afraid of life than we are of death. You know, maybe my favorite era in American history, the beatnik culture. It was before the all the psychedelics got involved. You don't need psychedelics to know that the system isn't the only answer. But the beatniks, they were big hitchhikers. Even the hippies were hitchhikers. It's an American tradition until the boomers let the state get away with outlawing walking on highways. Yeah, that's how free we are, guys. It's illegal to walk on a highway. <laughs> it's illegal to walk next to a road. But yeah, we're free. Our generation has slipped into a barely camouflaged vortex of self-loathing, and we've even desperately seeked a way out. 
Maybe this degree will do it, or this job, or this seminar, or this therapist. Maybe this relationship, this diet, or this project. But too often the medicine falls short of a cure, and the chains just keep getting thicker and tighter. But I thought we're not under any oppression. The same soap operas with different people. It's the same people. Joseph Robin Biden has been doing this shit since the 80s. <laughs> Isn't it funny his middle name is Robinette? But you guys know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. The kids in the 60s, they knew we're not going to vote away Vietnam. Start making some noise. Obama promised no new wars, seven new wars. <laughs> Biden promised to legalize, motherfucker authored the crime bill. We're still here scrolling TikTok waiting for change. My, ge my generation isn't any different. Boomers are an easy target though, so it's funny. <laughs> I once attended a 12-step meeting where people were asking God to take away their desire to drink. I had never gone overboard with any particular dysfunction. It wasn't drinking or drugs that was doing me in. It was my personality in general. That hysterical woman inside of my head. You're gonna hitchhike, but Ted Bundy! My negativity was as destructive to me as my alcohol is to the alcoholic. And you see we're coming off the placebo episode. It all ties together and I'm trying to make it lighter because last week was super information dense. It's your personality. Is it in the alcohol? I was an artist at finding my own jugular. It was as though I was addicted to my own pain. That's the insanity, doing the same thing day after day, hoping it'll change. What do they say? A mistake is a mistake, but a mistake made twice is a choice. People choose to live in anxious fear rather than face your demons. Face that fucker. Go into the shadow realm and destroy your demons. <laughs> So are we closer to heaven or hell? Let's get back to the thesis. Fear or love? Everybody wants to eat tasty food. Nobody has time to go to the farmer's market, though. There's no health care in the richest country on earth. That's how free we are. Joining a political party has become people's retirement plans. Let me kick back for a moment, bro. When I worked at Starbucks... <laughs> Old people, every single day, they just come in and talk about Joe Biden. That's all they do. They go to Starbucks and they talk about Joe Biden. Day after day. That's what's going to change it, right? Not some... Helicopter, helicopter. Hamas. <laughs> Pick your side. World War Three. Jokes. Dude, literally, people are trying to retire off of politics. The virtual world gets more attention than the real world. Is that a heaven quality or a hell quality? The fact that nobody's in reality anymore. To ease off on the greatest generation. Kids don't go outside. Nobody goes outside. <laughs> Think about that shit. You gotta work three jobs to support a family. There's an all-time high suicide rate, 50% divorce rate, two-thirds of people are over obese. And as always... The industrialists are pushing for the Third World War every single day, inching us closer. Rather than sitting in fear, relying on hope, the love children figured out, the light is within you. This chick. And if you read this book, I'm not really recommending this one. She's super duper religious, but I don't know, somehow she gets it, bro. We gotta stop waiting for the next politician to save us, for the next influencer to take a stand. Oh, I think Joe Rogan's gonna take the stand. 
The world changes when individuals choose to live their life in love rather than fear. And I don't want to sound like the hippie, bro. I hate hippies. I lived in Boulder. <laughs> They're not even using weed right. Just saying. I don't know everything. But love is the choice. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. We could just keep waging economic or physical war on each other like we have been since the beginning of history. Just keep choosing fear. I'm going to sit with my tribe. And that's... Just because I said Hamas doesn't mean I believe in a white ethno-state. This is the end of economic war. It's all about diversity and culture and loving each other. Gay. It's just insanity. All we're going to get out of this same system is more war, more poverty in third world countries. Love is the only answer. So when you hear, like, the free love movement, they're not talking about slutty hippies. That's why chicks clam up when they hear free love. But, 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 how am I going to trap a man forever? Love taken seriously is a radical outlook, a major departure from the psychological orientation that rules the world. It is threatening, not because it is a small idea, but because it is so huge. It's scary to think about that. It's comfortable to... Well, well, Nick has these wild ideas, so I'll put them in this box in my brain. It's much more fun when you listen to something. I'll listen to a fucking... Helicopter. I read Muammar Gaddafi's book. I read Jihad versus... Mur I'm up to hear anybody's side of the debate. But it's just much more easier to fear other people's ideas rather than getting to know it. We could be in constant competition with each other till the end of time. Or we could choose to collaborate. Going to chapter, one more quote. This is a big one. I began to realize that talking, taking love seriously would be a complete transformation of my thinking. A Course in Miracles calls itself a mind training in the relinquishment of a thought system based in fear. In order to love purely, we must surrender our old ways of thinking. Thoughts are like data programmed into a computer, registered on the screen of your life. If you don't like what you see on the screen, there's no point in going up to the screen and trying to erase it. Thought is cause, experience is effect. So in order to continue this discussion without just sounding like a pipe-smoking hippie, we got to answer one thing. For all of the technology and all the riches we have, are humans on the optimal path for a future of love or fear? Chapter 2. You. So the book ends with heaven. I'm setting the arc up. We just did hell. So it'll get positive again. But in the middle, everybody's got to work on themselves a little bit. Jesus said, again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. And our society tells us the opposite. You're only as good as your last sale. <laughs> your job is what says everything about you. But Jesus said, Nothing is necessary to establish your worth. Just showing up like I started. Thank you for showing up. You're here, man. I respect that. Bro, think about... We're just Romans. Did you know the average Roman height was 5'1"? That was just an autistic fact. But yeah, bro, your network is your net worth, bro. <laughs> If you're in your 20s and your squad isn't discussing salmon spawn statistic or milt measurements, you need a new network, because that's your net worth. Bro, you're only as good as your last sale. 
literally nobody has self-worth. That's the funniest part. We all hide behind our Instagram pages, but dude, people are too scared to film in public. I walk around with the selfie stick. Motherfuckers are scared. Once we've gone beyond the Federal Reserve and fractional reserve banking, <laughs> this bitch is going wild. Wide-scale economics is a farce, my guy. It sounds socialist because I'm talking about hippie shit today, but money manipulates your mind. That's the whole thing about worth here. Back to the J-man. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Oh my God, Jesus. And again, today, I'm not going Roman Catholic. Jesus doesn't have to be a 3D dude. It's his message that will enrich your mind. I don't know if Jesus was looking into the quantitative easing behind the Roman denarius, the dollar. I think he just kind of understood the consciousness. So, again, I'm not saying we should abolish money. That would certainly be a step in the wrong direction. I believe in free markets more than the next guy. I've read Hoppe, Rothbard, Mises. Bro, we need markets. Federally printed money is an abasement to reality. We're doing it wrong. I read Murray Rothbard, the hundred gold dollar bill. So he's saying let's put a little bit of gold back into the money so it actually has value. The dollar hasn't been based on anything material since the 1970s. So it might sound like I'm pointing the finger at the banksters, but all we have to do is go within and realize your value isn't your virtue. You're here, bro. It's not your fault you have value. I don't know how many other therapist phrases I have. I've got to go to the J-man. <laughs> Marion has a really good analogy here. When Michelangelo was asked how he created a piece of a sculpture, he answered that the statue already existed within the marble. God himself had created the piete, David, Moses. Michelangelo's job, as he saw it, was to get rid of the excess marble that surrounded God's creation. Dude, I love that old, uh, I think it's a Roman sculpture, but it's a guy only half carved out of marble, and he's chipping himself out of the stone. So again, it doesn't have to be some Christian god or the 3D Jesus. A Buddhist philosopher I read once said, we find ourselves by trimming the fat off our souls. It's all the same. Psychologist Carl Jung posited the notion of the collective unconscious as an innate mental structure encompassing the universal thought forms of all humanity. His idea was that you went deep enough into your mind and deeply enough into mine, there is a level we all share. One step further, if you go, uh, the divine mind of Christ is the idea that our core, we are not just identical, but actually the same being. So now she's going Alan Watts, like, bro, we're like made of the same matter, dude. The universe is so vast and we are so small. We're all part of the same shit. There's only one begotten son. It doesn't mean someone else was it and we are not. It means we are all it. So I think, like, I'm not trying to take away people's individuality, which is what the East does, bro. You're just nothing. We're all the same. We're all just matter. What makes us different is our environment and our emotions and our decisions. So everyone has the same operating system. She was using the computer metaphor before. I've been getting into SSDs and RAM and all that. Your 
brain is just a computer, so we all have the same operating system, but a lot of people choose to run the latest hate beta. Who are we hating this week? And more of this, because this chapter is about you and doing the internal work, people just like to point fingers at each other. Oh my god, I'm just like this teacher I had. You're just like everybody. It's just you're choosing who to project yourself onto. Bro, everybody's the same. And again, I love to see the individuality in people. But once you realize that, it's a big step. When you meet anyone, remember as you see him, you will see yourself as you treat him. And as you treat him, you will treat yourself. As you think of him, you will think of yourself. Never forget this. For in him, you will find yourself or lose yourself. It's pretty deep. So let's take it to the highest extreme, Kamedy. If you read the book Mindhunter, we have the same inner workings as serial killers. It's just the choices that make us different. And again, some of those guys had such bad environments that I don't know how they could have made other choices. Well, you don't have to cut off your mom's head and fuck her gaping esophagus. Alright, that was over the line. <laughs> just saying the choices are what make us different. I think people have, like, selective empathy. That's the whole Garden of Eden thing. It's about unconditional empathy and love. The golden rule, we went from way too extreme to too basic. Back to Carl Jung. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. So separating your ego and always focusing on your ego, that's what one of the Nuremberg judges said. Evil is the abasement of empathy. Just to hone into that empathy. Get rid of your negative thoughts, and it's all just love after that. And you know, it's kind of a big responsibility to be different. And I think people are scared to be average, so they get competitive out of fear. So again, I'm saying it takes a lot more love to be a nobody than a somebody. If you're always trying to say, look at me, look at me, it's kind of easier than just feeling the love. Fear does not promote learning. It warps us. It stunts us. It takes us neurotic. And by the time we're teenagers, most of us have severely cracked. Our love, our hearts, our real self are constantly invalidated. You didn't get an A in the class. You're not worthy of the, the teacher's apple of Eden. It's bred into us. So the hard part is getting rid of the shame. It sounds easy to ignore shame. Oh, you're, uh, what do they call it? Depersonalizing. What if the personality of the culture, the collective subconscious, is sick? Shame? Maybe that doesn't have a place here. Some more young. The ego has a pseudo-life of its own, and like all forms, fights hard for its survival. As uncomfortable as our life might be, as painful or even desperate at times, the life we're living is the life we know, and we cling to the old rather than try something new. Most of us are so sick of ourselves in one way or another, it's unbelievable how tenaciously we cling to what we've prayed to be released from. The ego is like a virus in the computer that attacks the core system. It seems to show us a dark parallel universe, a realm of fear and pain that doesn't actually exist, but certainly seems to. Oh no, if I don't pass this class, I'm going to be a hobo, and my ego makes me better than hobos. Just go work on a farm. 
what she's saying about the computer there and your ego kind of being like a virus, check out all of Guy Ritchie's movies. This guy's hip to it. He does The Usual Suspects, Revolver. This guy is so out there, he thinks that your ego is the devil in your mind. Every fucking definition of his movies, he goes, yeah, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is telling us he doesn't exist. Once you start flipping over those rocks in your mind, maybe it's true. And I'm saying you need an ego to exist on this earth. You can't yeet it off a cliff off of a god dose of mushrooms. But the ego is the best weapon. Who's going to question the voice inside of their head? Because no, that's me. So I'm not trying to go cult mode today and rearrange anybody's subconscious. I'm just saying the subconscious self controls people through fearful narratives. And we could replace those with loving ones. Chapter 3. The Body. So we've deduced that you are not the ego. I've done a video about this on the Patreon. You ain't the id. You ain't the superego. You ain't the ego. You're a culmination of all three. So this chapter is trying to show us you're not the body. You are a relationship between the body and the mind. And I would say an aspect of higher self as well. But So yeah, we've done the mental work chapter two. Perfecting the mind-body connection. That's how you bring hell to heaven. Or the other way around. That's how you start to live a good life once you uniform all your bad thoughts. And then again, I'm saying chapter four. We'll bring it back to the societal level. External heaven. But here's a couple of stories from Marianne's girlfriends. One of my girlfriends called me one day and said she had a date with someone she really liked. The next week she called and said she had broken a date with her in order to go out of town. So this girl made a date with a guy. The guy's like, I actually have boys weekend that weekend. She didn't like him after all. I won't take that from anyone, she told me. I'm ready for a relationship. No, you're not ready for a relationship, I told her. Not if another person isn't allowed to make a mistake, you're not. So again, I'm trying to tie this into the self. You're never going to fix somebody else through dating them. But you are in a relationship with your body, so you can't be so hard on yourself that you messed up your diet. You're building a new relationship. So think about you're starting a new workout program. You're going to miss a couple times. But remember, a mistake made multiple times, that's a choice. Back to the drawing board. A girlfriend once told me she had broken up with her boyfriend. Why, I asked her. Because he didn't call me for five days. Five days! I didn't say anything. He knows I need verbal reassurance on a daily basis, she continued. So I set my limits. Don't you think that's good? No, I said. I think it's childish, I paused. Have you ever considered accepting him as he is? Well, thanks for the support, she said. I responded, you're welcome. Girls trying to change men. (laughs) And let's bring it back to the body. People try to make changes to the body too quick. You're not going to have a six-pack tomorrow. You're starting a new relationship. That's the new diet. That's the new workout plan. So you have to accept your body as it is. Accept your boyfriend in the current state. And then through the years of marriage and wear and tear, you could take his masculinity away. (laughs) Joking. Making a change. It's starting a new relationship. That's a huge piece of wisdom right there. Examining the past can help clarify many of our problems, but healing doesn't occur in the past. It occurs in the present. 
There is practically a mania these days for blaming the events of our childhood for our current despair. What the ego doesn't want us to see is that our pain doesn't come from the love we weren't given in the past, but from the love we ourselves aren't giving in the present. She. That's Hammer right there. It isn't the absence of other people in our lives. It's the stories that we keep telling ourselves. And I'm not minimizing the fact that some people live in backbreaking poverty. You're not going to meditate yourself. Or maybe you will. I'm just saying there's ways that people feed their ego monster. Well, I was touched as a girl, and now I'll never be able to trust a man. You need to forgive yourself in real time so that you heal in the past. All of this rumination with the therapist, that guy makes money when you go to his office. Marianne, she starts to fuse some of the Eastern and the Western beliefs with this one. The ego's use of the body is to maintain the illusion of separation. The ego uses the body for attack, pleasure, and pride. The maintenance of the illusion is to separate. The ego uses the body for attack. I just said that. Whatever, just drop the fucking holy words and all the illusions she's saying. It's about making that mind-body connection. Our bodies are merely blank canvases onto which we project our thoughts. Disease is loveless thinking materialized. We learned that at excess last week. Holy crap! This doesn't mean that people who have contracted a disease through thought alone were loveless thinking while the rest of us didn't. Great saints have contracted terminal illnesses. The lovelessness that manufactures disease is systemic. It is laced throughout mass consciousness. That's a juicy one. I wonder how long, if you put like a Tibetan monk into Southside Chicago, how long would that guy stay pure? Just like deep meditators, bro. You can feel that certain areas are highly polluted with the mass consciousness. I don't know, bro. A Tibetan monk in Chicago, that's much funnier. He starts wearing a bungalow belt. Yo, what we pulling up on the ops with the 16-inch, and then we hitting our mudras. Yo, kick back in the Grand Cross on you, her. <laughs> this is all you need to know for the body chapter. If the mind can heal the body, but the body cannot heal the mind, then the mind must be stronger than the body. Helicopter. That was the wrong button. The mind is stronger than the body. So yeah, let's go to chapter four, heaven. Inner city Chicago, closer to heaven or hell? Is that a polluted conscious field? Usually if we figure out what we think would make us happy and then try to make those things happen. But happiness isn't circumstance dependent. There are people who have every reason in the world to be happy who aren't. There are people with genuine, genuine problems who are happy. So the key to happiness is the decision to be happy. It is not so difficult to feel positive feelings or think positive thoughts. The problem is that we resist the positivity. They make us feel good. The ego has no greater crime than feeling good. That's the shame. God damn, god damn, she on point. If I'm rich, says the ego, someone else will be poor. I'm not trying to get into some value and capitalism and socialism. That debate is a distraction. The free markets are fake markets. Just saying. 
when six six companies they own the media looking to Rupert Murkoff. When you need a license to sell liquor, when five airliners monopolize the sky, we're living in a fake market. There's socialism for the rich, battle dome capitalism for the poor. These markets are not real. Real wealth is created through valued labor. We're not talking about numbers on a screen here, and that's why everyone gets shame. The way to get to a societal heaven, I'm saying maybe we do a $100 gold bill. It's not going to be something that we've heard on the news before. we got to really think outside the box. And that's why some of these independent institutes should be trusted more than the same soap opera year after year. It's a fear-based system. Marianne, she's getting toward the end. She's talking about God's divine light. Taking uh, talk of joy is not simplistic. No one is saying that it's easy. We're just affirming that it's our goal. As we, already, as we have already seen, there is no getting to heaven without acknowledging hell. Not its ultimate reality, but its reality of us while we remain in the illusion. So call it what you want. The fucking Maya, the Nag Hammadi, the Demiurge. We're born into some shit. We have to choose a love to get out of here. Oh, well, Nick, you can't propose anarchy. That's a loveless solution. That is the solution. We have to love our fellow man rather than believing in the Hollywood purge. And again, I'm a voluntarist. I think anarchy is a strong word. Do you think Jeffrey Epstein's ring of elite pedophiles brings us closer to heaven or hell? Just going again through the 9 to 5 and waiting for the next generation to deal with the Epsteins? Passing the buck. <laughs> I don't know. If we want to change the world, you got to choose to love your brother. Like, there have been times when people you love have let you down, right? And there have been times when complete strangers have came to the rescue. Have you ever called AAA? You're relying on a stranger. People aren't evil. <laughs> the Hobbesians told us, though, that, that we need to protect ourselves. Sure. And you're talking to a gun owner here. Got to take proper measures, but don't live in fear. I'll say it again. If you change your internal world, you'll see the external world is just a reflection of the collective subconscious. And all I see are a bunch of meek, malingering pussies. I know it's a love book, but that's what we needed to hear. Nick's nonfiction, it's not the sugar-coated truth. This is a slap on the face. Hey. Love your brother. Why did you just bite your sister? I bit my sister once. I did it out of love. <laughs> and I just want everybody to be in, the, in on the joke at the end of the day. And that's why I'm doing this out of love. So thank you to the Knicker for taking a philosophical dive with me. A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Next time on the show... We going deep with the philosophy. A favorite author of mine. This one went so fucking hard. Arthur Schopenhauer. Coming back, making his second peat. We did the world as will. Arty Shop, Essays and Aphorisms. That one's going to blow the lid off. If you guys want some free memes, check out Harry Shit on Instagram every single night. I'll be right back with the bonus. Peace.
All right, we'll go for around 10 minutes here. Welcome back. I literally have nothing planned. This is a vomity edition. Break out that guitar again. Bitches think they the shit. When they ain't even the fart. Hey, yo, bitches think they the shit when they ain't even the fart. Yeah, this usually doesn't go well unless I have something planned. You ever go to, like, Burger King and you just have sex with a hamburger? That's what us mayo monkeys do, white people. <laughs> I'm a pansexual. I like to have sex with pans. Pan from the office. Jim and pan sexual. Nothing. That's nothing. If I was like a a nine eleven operator, nine one one, nine eleven. If a bitch started screaming on the other line, I would just hang up on her. Is this anything? Yo, my dick has led me to places I wouldn't even go with a gun. I love pans. I'm a pansexual. Next Tuesday is, what, the 13th? I probably could have dropped this episode then. But you got your fill of love. Everybody could love each other. I for gore, I member. Everybody could love. Pedo bear. Nyan cat. All of us could be in on a love game. This Justin, CNN. Bum, bum, ba, ba. Watch out! The love candy. The <laughs> I fucked up. Do you think this year there's going to be fentanyl in the Valentine's Day candy? There's razor blades in the Halloween candy. That's another fear story they're going to run this year. Bro, remember that on a Valentine's Day when you were a kid? You had to go around the classroom and drop candy in everybody's secret folder. Nobody dropped any candy in my folder. That was a good joke at the beginning of the show. I'm in a love triangle. I love this girl, this girl loves nobody, and nobody loves me. <laughs> I hope you guys appreciate the humor. <laughs> love talk. Um, excuse me, can you explain this gap in your resume? Profound experiences beyond your feeble mind. Now hire me. Just trust me. That's what employers should act out of love. How much do you think the free love movement would have changed if instead of acid they were eating Benadryl? <laughs> At Woodstock everybody started to hallucinate ghosts instead of flower bidets. I meant to say bouquets. But there's something here. Flower bidets. <laughs> It shoots flowers at your ass. Your asshole kind of looks like a flower. <laughs> Big ponderings here. What did the beaver say to the otter who took over his lodge? This is otter insanity. <laughs> I've accessed the mode right now. 
They feed us their poison so we buy their cures while they suppress our medicine, bro. <laughs> Hippie talk. Okay, today, class, we'll be learning about substance abuse. One Benadryl is okay. Twenty Benadryls and you're gonna see a ghost. I need a breather. I need to juice this lip. I gotta thank some motherfuckers. I've been on the uh, the snooze train recently, Zin. I'd be on that white Zinfidel. Tobacco, not funny. You ever, like, take a couple Benadryls and just think about the guy that lives inside of your walls? <laughs> Yo, I'd be taking, like, fistful of Benadryl. See gigantic eyeballs pop out of the wall only to disappear forever. The Bennies. What did those guys used to take? Quaaludes? Nah, we take a Robitussin. That's a Zuma drug. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm feeling extra tough, I ask my girl, Hey, yo, bitch, come tuck me in and give me forehead kisses. Now. Now. <laughs> Once you corny to me, you on the cob forever, bitch. I need some mods, some moderators to let me know if I'm going off the deep end. Or in case there's a commenter I don't like. Hey mods, pin this man down and twist his nutsack counterclockwise. Hey mods, if you cut this man's scrotum off, you will be gilded. Mods, I gotta start a Discord or a Telegram. I'm also going to start a... Anywho. Anywho. I got, I got a pee here. I think we got five more minutes. You ever be sipping on soda and it's that scary soda? You start sipping on it and it's like... You thought it was 7-Up but it's Sierra Mist. I'd be like, holy shit, is this Sierra Mist? Is that a hood drink, Sierra Mist? I haven't seen anybody on the mist in a while. I put my fist through the mist. You know in Japan they have like pear flavored soda and all that? Pears. <laughs> Pears. <laughs> Pears. Oblate spheroids, if you know what I'm getting at. I think the way that we're going to cure racism is if people start showing their boobs. <laughs> that was an organic fart. It's the month of love, baby. It's better to be a sexual predator than to be sexual prey. If you think about it, bro. Bro, what if you were in a cock measuring competition and your opponent was Michelle Obama? Big Mike. <laughs> Big Mike going bareback on Barack. <laughs> Big Mike dropping loads on Obunga. That's what they do all February. Obama. Big Mike! Dude, what do you Europeans do all day? 
they spend their whole day cooking 50 pounds of horse meat for dinner. They eat horses over there. <laughs> horse meat. Bidets, the flower bidet, that was kind of funny. Instead of floral bouquet. Yo, when you wipe your ass, are you a Scotsman or are you a Charmin man? I'm loyal to the bears. Those bears, they love taking shits. They love wiping their ass. Charmin gang. Charmin gang. You guys are saying it's winding down. This show is over. I didn't hear no bell. Thank you to the Knickers for being here. Living in love rather than fear. If you love this show and you're not afraid of Hero Brian, you will share it. <laughs> Society turned me into a monster, bro. <laughs> you ain't built for the hyper war, son. Hey, yo, sh spit your shit. Spit your shit, gang. This has been the annoying orange after show. I just didn't talk for like 10 seconds. Should I try to give myself testicular torsion live on air? That could be a bit. Testicky torsion. Testicky wiki. I talked about once one of my friends who got blue balled so hard that he sprained his epididymis. I didn't even know that was a real thing. Joe Biden. What's his wife's name? I don't know, but I think uh, Big Mike would probably give Joe Biden testicular torsion. Joe Biden. <laughs> Hunty? Hunty? I wonder if he's getting a Valentine this year. Another underage chick? Bitch, I'm Kendrick. Can I riz you up, bitch? Please, 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 please! The month of riz, baby. Desperation. Girls love that. All right, I think this has ran its course. I'm about to go have me some horchata. <laughs> Couple chalupas on deck. Seriously, thank you guys. If you like the bonus section, I could do this for fucking 10 hours at a time. Seriously, the Knickers, thank you for being here. A return to love. See you guys. Hopefully you like the production quality is back. Because I'm back with a vengeance, baby. I ain't going nowhere. Nick Muniz, signing off. Peace. <laughs>